And now, around the world and around the corner, it's the David Bowers Awards, bringing the best in indie music to millions of listeners worldwide with your host, the David Bowers. We've got a fantastic lineup of guests, our entire crew here at the Asylum, and me, I'm John Bon Jovial. And now, here's the voice of indie music, the David Bowers. Hello once again, everybody. Thank you very much there. Legendary John Bon Jovial. Thank you so much there. Thank you, folks, for joining us again for what promises to be another exciting show. We've got some great new music, a couple of great talents, including a return from a young lady that we've had on several times in the past who has some new music to share with us. Speaking of new music, I want to introduce you to a guy who goes by the name of Bo Bascaro. And here he is with The Color Blue. Sick while you were quiet But this was the solace we needed You were tongue-tied I prayed you on know that it's what you want Then you boarded your windows up Building the space between the seats Love, I know it's fine to just take it slow You're delicate but my heart is Steady enough to wait In the moments you're alone Yeah, it's hard to let it go When your heart has lost its home But your hope could be with me You're a
That's Bo Bascaro from the AP Wildfire, which uh, was premiered by Rolling Stone Indie, and uh, they actually dubbed it widescreen pop music. He was put on the industry's map during his recovery from a tumor and a labrum tear surgery. International brand Maxwell House commissioned a mini documentary of his experiences and his artistic drive amidst his health trials. They flew him to Los Angeles to meet the producer, Harvey Mason Jr., who is president of the Recording Academy and has worked with Aretha, Justin Timberlake, Michael Jackson, and others. And uh, they had one of his singles, High, produced for Maxwell House marketing campaign. If you thought the name or the face was familiar, Mascaro is now featured as one of the faces on Max by Maxwell House, appearing in ads all over YouTube, Instagram, Spotify, and all the other platforms. Watch for him. I think he's got a good sound. I think he's going to go places. John Bon Jovi, what you say? Maxwell House, is, is, is he good to the last drop? I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, no, I like the song. Very melodic. Uh, it seems to be rather well produced. Originality, I'm not going to lie, I don't think it's completely original, but I, I do like listening to it. Uh, he does have some original thought in there. It reminds me very much of some of the 80s stuff that Steve Winwood did. And uh, that was the first impression that I had. But as far as commercial viability, yeah, I mean, this song is completely commercially acceptable. Uh, I I can't see any reason why, if it doesn't catch on, then whatever today's versions of uh, AC or CHR stations, to me, it'd be a no-brainer to grab it. I hear you. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Kind of a uh, taste of modernized 80s power pop. And uh, I like it, too. It is, as you said, very listenable and definitely commercially viable. I think oh, yes. uh, I think we'll be hearing more from uh, from Mr. Bascaro. want to also mention our friends at WRFZ, Rochester Free Radio. That's uh, 106.3 FM in Rochester, New York, and also online at rochesterfreeradio.com. Thank them for their support of the David Bowers Awards. And, of course, our uh, house band, Titty Bingo, uh, just provides some great Texas rock and roll and they've provided our theme song for all these years. We thank them. want you to check them out at tittybingo.com. Also want to mention that our friends at Anchor FM have made it possible for you to be a part of the David Bowers Awards and help support us supporting indie music and the artists who make it. So if you'd like to contribute to the support of indie artists and music, it's easy. Just listen to the show on Anchor FM and simply click the link at the end of the show on the Anchor FM page and chip in whatever you feel is comfortable. It's that simple, and it'll make you a part of the David Bowers Awards and also a part of supporting indie artists and their music. We've got a lot of stuff going on today, so I want to get first to our award for the week, our first the David Bowers Award of the week. Uh, That's the part where the fanfare is (laughs) closed. Now we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to talk with those fanfare people. We want to congratulate music creation platform Splice and SoundCloud. They've joined forces to launch a new emerging artist program called Nova. Now this is open to unsigned Splice and SoundCloud creators, and the partnership starts with a series of contests across the Splice and SoundCloud communities. 
According to Nova landing page, the winners of the first Nova contest will get to produce their own Splice Sounds pack. A Splice is set to release 12 Nova artist packs, collections of signature sounds, loops, samples, starting in January of 22, and artists can enter the first contest right now. Selective Nova artists will have their music amplified on SoundCloud's distribution network, and the top four supernovas will get enhanced marketing and distribution services, including distribution support, investment, and amplification from SoundCloud on their next project, including, now get this, including $20,000 marketing spend. This is something that could be really big for indie artists. And the four winners will be picked by teams at Splice and SoundCloud. So check it out, indie artists, Splice and SoundCloud, their new emerging artist support program called Nova. Check it out, and hey, maybe we'll hear you right here on the David Bowers Award. Speaking of hearing on the David Bowers Awards, I think it's time to get to our first guest, who is standing by and ready to go. So let's bring in a tune called Rise by our next guest, Scott Gagner.
Scott Gagner. Ladies and gentlemen, Scott, come on in here and say hello. Hi there. How you doing, David? Doing great, Scott. Welcome aboard. Been looking forward to having you come in and join us on the show. That's from your current album, which is called Blood Moon, correct? Yes, it is. That's track number one, Rise, and uh, very excited to share it with the world. I appreciate you having me on today. Well, we appreciate you coming by, sharing your time as well as your music with us, and always glad to uh, to be able to share new music uh, with our audience. But I understand, from what I see, there's quite a story behind this album and what led up to the creation of it. Can you uh, Can you give us a Reader's Digest version? I'll give you the quick synopsis. Uh, I've been a Californian uh, since 1992. Prior to that time, I grew up in uh, Minnesota. And, um, you know, in the uh, time between 1992 and, uh, let's say, last summer, uh, California uh, has been an incredible home. But uh, the last few years have gotten a little dicey for my family and I. Um, I would say a lot of Californians have been feeling the squeeze, so to speak, on many fronts. And for us, uh, living in Marin County, we were just a little little too close to the wildfire action year after year. So we mm-hmm. made the hard decision to relocate back to the more um, kind of moderate climate of Minnesota, <laughs> moderate being a relative term. Um, but I have, a, <laughs> let's just say I have a new I have a new stance and a new perspective on snowpack and uh, little colder temperatures and what what that really does for the yearly, you know, green grass and green trees. Very elemental and kind of primal things have been on my mind more than just sort of surface everyday stuff. So um, we had to pull up stakes and uh, get the get the family cross country. So just moved in in June and and that that's a you know a tricky decision and, and a lot of factors in there and. Those sort of primal thoughts and explorations are what uh, are really behind the whole record and the themes on the record. Well, being from upstate New York originally, I can relate to the climate considerations there and the variations of degrees of normalcy that you refer to. I can understand that. I got kind of spoiled by spending 30 years in the Southern California area. So I have a my normalcy is uh, is really weird, but then I've been accused of being weird anyway. But I do see sure. where this uh, I do see where this played into the creation of this song. And how do you how do you translate that change, the development, what you went through? How do you translate that into the music in this album? Well, it it really comes through in the lyrics, um, and and I would say it was the easiest album to write because it it. The, the emotions were so high and um, they, you know, I was just living in such a constant state of uh, decision making that, that all these kind of thoughts and, and uh, lyrics were pouring out constantly. So um, it, it, it isn't as much necessarily in the music, although the music is sort of probably a little more heightened and, and uh, passionate <laughs> as a result. Um, but yeah, all of the lyrics really uh, deal with the, the various facets of, you know, the month by month um, sort of PTSD that one goes through in a, in a wildfire mm-hmm. season. So there's a song called Year at a Glance, which is literally a calendar exploration of, of each month and sort of 
until you get uh, sort of numb to it in January and February when everything's sort of green and everything seems nice and California sort of woos you back and you're like, oh, I can't stay mad at you. And then <laughs> then things start to dry out a little bit and sure. a little more uh, scary as uh, September and October approach. And then, then you go through it again and you just, you wonder what were you thinking and how did you get fooled into to going through that, that sort of traumatic, fearful stuff again. So all my California friends um, are dealing with it on one level or another, and I was in various stages of denial for a number of years and uh, just couldn't live that way anymore. So, I understand, and I, I think you summed it up very well in a quote of yours, or at least it was attributed to you, and uh, you said uh, something to the effect that the uh, – that one song in particular, it, it took 20 years to germinate and one hour to write. And I think that mm. sums up pretty much what you've been saying. There's, there's a lot in there. It's a, a compendium of a lot that happened to you that you went through. And it was a relatively easy read for you to sit down and come up with this music. And the, you listen to the album, and I think the listeners will grasp that right off the top. John Bon Jovial. I know you'd like to get in and hear what you got. Well, yeah. First of all, Scott, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on with us. And, uh, you know, I'm listening to the conversation, and a question has occurred to me uh, that even though you've escaped the 415 and, and you're, you know, uh, living in Minnesota now, which, of course, Minnesota is an absolutely magnificently beautiful state, but having lived in California for, I'm going to guess, quite a few years uh, mm -hmm. and and California of course particularly the Bay Area and also like East LA are heavy influencers on music and mm -hmm. in listening to Rise I'm hearing some influence there from yeah. from yeah. and I can't I can't put my finger on it but an influence <laughs> of stuff that would have occurred in the 60s or 70s and so I want to know what did San Francisco slash Oakland slash San Jose, East Los Angeles, which I know is a little bit south. Uh, what kind of influence did that have on the um, music that you have written over the years, and, and how has that influence gotten you to the point where you are today? What a great question. Thank you. Um, I, you could say I was a giant kind of California sunshine pop fan before I ever moved there. In fact, um, Minnesota has a long tradition of being a very Beatles-friendly town as far as, uh, you know, melody and harmony and that kind of thing. So that was ingrained in me uh, from an early age, and that translated well to the kind of sunshiny Beach Boys harmonies and melodies that were waiting for me on the West Coast. Um, but you're absolutely right. I did pick up a few other uh, tricks while I was out there. You mentioned East Los Angeles. Rise itself has uh, the baritone saxophone uh, Steve Berlin from the band Los Lobos. Who I was hoping East. you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, well, you, 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 teed, you teed me up beautifully, so I, I, I kind of really <laughs> whiffed on that one, but I, but I didn't. Um, yeah, and he was a, a friend of a friend, and... Um, you know, these guys are, um, they're excited to work. They, they're a phone call away oftentimes or a, or a DM message away. So we've, we've literally never met, but he, like I said, is a, a friend of a friend. And um, during the pandemic, these guys couldn't tour and they couldn't earn money. So um, the uh, likelihood of getting a collaboration from somebody who may otherwise be too busy touring, um, it, it became a lot easier and more appealing. So everybody 
very quickly pivoted and got their home recording chops up, you know, to passable levels. And Steve is certainly no slouch in any production role, so he he had no uh, he had no ramping up to do. Um, but it, it was uh, just a few quick emails back and forth to get him the track and uh, get him on the record. So textures like like his. Um, there's other luminaries who are uh, in SoCal. Pete Thomas, uh, who's actually originally from England, uh, from Elvis Costello's Attractions, legendary drummer, does live in in Los Angeles. Flew him up a few years ago to play on a record called Pins and Needles, and we used some of those uh, drum parts for the last track on this uh, record called This Too Shall Pass. So um, a lot of California talent there, and um, a lot of it just kind of seeped into the songwriting um, over the years as well. Of course, the Bay Area psychedelia component is never far from my mind. Um, and uh, so that, that's just yet another influence that, that it gave me as a gift. Now, I was just going to say the fact that you mentioned Los Lobos, which is why I purposely mentioned East L.A., <laughs> um, because, yeah. uh, you know, they, they've always been, oh, I guess for lack of better words, uh, uh, one of my bucket list bands. And, I, and I've been a fan of theirs since, uh, gosh, the late 70s, and finally, about five years ago, finally got to see them, and mm-hmm. they were wonderful. You know, yeah. They just, yeah, they do, yeah. do not disappoint I haven't had the chance to see them myself, but I have heard that of them. And you guys kind of set me up moving right along into where I wanted to go next. And that, Scott, was the instrumentation. Now, I know you play most of the instruments yourself, which is a credit to your versatility and talent. And you've, you've layered so many instruments in here. Some of the ones that really intrigued me were the nylon string guitar, uh, your vintage Roland Sips. Uh, Twelve-string guitar and African tongue drum. Yeah, um, that is a, a very fun story. My friends Harris and Nicole just happened to have this uh, African tongue drum. It basically looks like a wooden box with various cutout flaps of the wood in the top, and they're cut out. And each little—it uh, really looks like little wooden tongues cut out of the side of this box. Um, and each one is tuned to a different note, and there's maybe 12 or 11 total wooden tongues, if you will, and you hit it with a mallet, so it's it's not unlike a marimba, but it, it really does just look like a wooden box. It's hollow. Um, uh, I was over at their house. I saw this incredibly strange instrument, picked up the mallets, and immediately played the pattern that is in the song Twice in a Lifetime, um, which is track two. Uh, after Rise, and um, was compelled by the instrument and by the pattern that kind of came out and said, hey, can I borrow this? Borrowed it for a while, brought it home, and recorded uh, my part, and then just started layering um, a lot of the instruments you mentioned uh, over the track. That particular song was incredibly hard to finish because it, it, the, the layout of the instrument dictated that it was an 11-4 time signature, which Mm-hmm. I'm as big of a Frank Zappa fan as the next guy, but it's an incredibly hard meter to write lyrics to. Yeah, so, not one of the easiest. Um, no, so I had a dickens of a time trying to sing over the top of it, and, and meanwhile I was kind of going back through a, a big talking heads phase, which is probably second only to the Beatles in my kind of uh, uh, upbringing. So I got interested in trying a sort of David Byrne-esque talking part which I, I tried, and it was, again, during this time period where we were 
desperately trying to sell our house in California and buy one in Minnesota, and I decided to just do sort of a manifestation wish list of the life I wanted to create for myself out here. And I just literally almost recited a, a list of real estate terminology and sort of climate terminology that, you know, the, the, the almost suburban ideal uh, of what I, what I wanted to uh, get back to. And pretty much all of it came true. In fact, some of the things were, were even bettered. Um, and I ended up calling it twice in a lifetime because it's, of course, a, a play on their famous once in a lifetime song, which really sort of uh, takes a jaundiced view at sort of suburban conformity, uh, post-war uh, conformity. But um, I'll tell you what, uh, escaping forest fires and, and things like that, um, a little suburban conformity in a northern state sounded just about right to me. So it was I almost understand. a yeah sort of inverting that uh on its head so it's sort of a an inversion of the lyrics of that song as well before we let you go I want to give you a chance to tell the folks how they can find you find your music online and of course keep track of what you're doing and most importantly buy your music too awesome thank you so uh you can just search for scott gagner and it's just spelled g-a-g-n-e-r it's like wagner with a g the record's called Blood Moon, one word, and you can find it on any streaming platform you want. Um, there's CDs available at my website, which is scottgagner.com. It's on Bandcamp, and uh, there's videos on YouTube. Um, literally anywhere you want to go, Spotify. In fact, on all of those services, you will find four other records. So this is my fifth total. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff to uh, check out. Okay, we thank you very much. I want to remind you that we, in turn, have amongst our uh, plethora of social media pages. There's one on Facebook, uh, the David Bowers Awards Groups Music Page. And if you go there, it is specifically for guests on the show and other indie musicians to post their releases, their new traveling news, whatever you want to share with your fans you can post it there. It's free. You do not need to send the press release. You can post it directly to that page, and we, in turn, will take it and post it to our other social media pages. Feel free to use it because that's what it's there for. Appreciate that. That's great. Absolutely, and we appreciate you coming and spending time with us. We will be following you. Please do stay in touch because you're now part of our family, and we want to keep in touch with you and know what's going on. Ladies and gentlemen, his name is Scott Gagner, the album is Blood Moon, and this is a track called Year at a Glance.
Scott Gagner. That's called Year at a Glance. Some great lyrics and a little bit different sound from the opener, Rise. I strongly endorse this album and suggest that if you do like his music, you go and check out the entire album because there's some very good stuff on there. And you can find out a lot more at his website, more than we had time to talk about here today. We are looking forward to having him back in the future here on the David Bowers Awards, just as we do our next guest, who is back from uh, having been here a couple of times in the past. And we look forward to talking with Dark Beauty right after we listen to this first track of hers, which is, by her own admission, heavier than anything she's ever done before. So let's get heavy. Here is Dark Beauty with Demon.
That's Dark Beauty. And here to talk with us right now is the beauty herself, Liz, and her lead guitarist, Brian. Hello, folks. Welcome aboard. Well, hello to you, and thank you so much for having us here. And, yes, I'm sitting here with Brian, who is our lead guitarist, and he's also my husband and my co-writer. Well, that makes for a strong combination right there. We're so happy to have you both here with us today. I know, Liz, you've been on the show a couple of times in the past. Brian, welcome aboard on your first visit. Why, thank you, sir. It it is an honor to be a part of the David Bowers Awards. Well, it's our honor to have you both here, and I wasn't aware of the uh, marital connection. I obviously knew that you were guitarist for uh, Dark Beauty, but I, I didn't know that you were both you know, that closely involved. That's good to know. Congratulations to both of you, by the way. And tell us, Liz and Brian, tell us about this latest adventure uh, that you have. It's uh, The album is called Between Sixes and Sevens. And I guess a good place to start would be to explain what that means and where it comes from. Sure. The This is the second release that Dark Beauty has put out. And it follows the story of the Dark Angel, who is a character who has fallen from grace and uh, on the third album hopefully will be redeemed, although we're not, uh, we're not giving any spoilers out. <laughs> but this second release is, you know, the, the, the songs you can tell from the front album cover even, the character is at, at a crossroads. Um, she's fallen from grace and a big part of her heart wants to get back to heaven where she thinks she belongs but there are darker forces that are conspiring against her. And, you know, let's be honest, we've all felt uh, maybe dark forces sometimes pulling us to do something that we shouldn't do. And that's really Absolutely. what this album does is explore that crossroad. Very well explained. And, uh, yeah, I understand that uh, the phrase itself, between sixes and sevens, is an old English expression for uh, basically for a state of confusion. And uh, I, th- I think you... Uh, have explained the connection with the music and the album quite well and definitely be looking forward to number three because we're just now getting familiar with number two. John Bon Jovial, you're sitting there with that look on your face that says, I would just like to ask this question. <laughs> the pensive look. Well, hey, guys, welcome to the show. It really is nice to have you. Uh, Brian, it's it's nice to, I guess, virtually meet you. And, Liz, it's great to have you back again. You know, well, I'm listening to uh, to Demon, and, and I guess that this must be the day that, you know, we talk about music, musical influences, at least from my perspective of uh, the Western variety. You know, this Philadelphia has its sound, New York has its sound, Miami has its sound or the sound machine, if you will. But, you know, in listening to Demon, I am hearing, um, I don't know if dark forces are at work is a proper expression, but I really hear some of the, the heavier uh, psychedelia uh, that might have emanated from the West Coast. A- am I off there, or a- a- am I semi-close? Well, I, honestly, the, the second half of the song was inspired by a slightly different, which was at least I'd like to think there's a little bit of Pink Floyd in there, in in the overall sense of how it how it evolves there. And you know, the first part is uh, this. This is a really strange influence, but I think. If if you listen closely, you might hear a little bit of shoes by the Eagles in the first half, uh, only with a little more guitar. 
I did think, yeah, I did think, I, I didn't catch the Eagles reference while listening, but, you know, certainly the, the Pink Floyd uh, I did with a dramatic, heavy, um, you know, for lack of better words, drug-influenced type of uh, music, uh, which, you know, back in the day when, when we were kids was a wonderful thing. <laughs> <laughs> now at our age, it's inspired by coffee. <laughs> if you remember that age, you weren't there. Yeah, you weren't there. <laughs> in your uh, website biography, you've summed this up, uh, I, I think, very well with the line that says that you fit comfortably within the progressive rock world with elements of pop, dance, opera, and heavy classic rock, all part of the mix. And I know we've spoken with Liz on the times previously that she's been here with us about her voice and her amazing talent, which at times borders on the operatic. And, of course, her classical instruction that leads up to that. How did you come up with this compendium of sounds? I think I think the combination of the two of us really brings this especially in the second album, yeah, and the first album as well, but it, 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 it really takes us to a very heavy place, mixing both classical and rock, and that's definitely Brian's influence coming in on the other side because I have a tendency, when I write, I'm basically writing, I, I write the lyrics, and then I'm sort of just kind of humming this melody that comes to me. I just sort of let it come to me, and then there is no instrument behind me at this point when I'm writing. I don't have anything that I'm being influenced by and I sort of just let the vocals kind of just you know if I hear a melody I just kind of let it take me and then when I sort of have something that I feel is worth presenting I'll say okay Brian here's what I have what do you think and then he starts to bring in his his uh mix of uh, inspirations and all of it from he's got a very eclectic background uh, he's played jazz and rock and fusion and all kinds of stuff. So he's definitely bringing the heavier side. So really the combination of both of us coming together with two different points of view uh, on the music. Uh, Liz always brings in the melodies to the songs, like she says, but those obviously will inform what the chord progressions are. And a lot of the complexity of the songs is based around the melodies that she brings in. Um, but, you know, I grew up, my my father is a retired music teacher, and around the house we would hear Steely Dan and Led Zeppelin and Earth, Wind and & Fire and Stravinsky mm-hmm. and just all kinds of music, and it never occurred to me that you wouldn't want to combine different kinds of music. And it wasn't until I was much older that people said, what are you doing? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, but, you know, we just like putting in the different pieces of, of what we enjoy and letting things fall where they may. Well, you know, anybody that knows me know that I really love and respect artists who can cross genres. And in this case, you're more than crossing genres. You're, you're bringing them together, actually, and who can do it successfully. You know, anybody can go out and create a piece of music that, you know, kind of crosses between jazz and pop or blues or whatever, but to put it together meaningfully and have it work is a challenge. And you guys have done a great job of that. I think I'm thinking the feel I'm getting is that you have, you have actually created a rock opera in a way. And uh, I love the fact 
that, uh, Liz, you mentioned that it draws you in. I love the fact that it draws the audience in, too. Oh, I love that you're saying that, and thank you so much. Uh, I, I am so excited to keep writing the next part of the story. Of course, we're listening to the, the heaviest part of it right now, which is the second album, and uh, album three will, will resolve this uh, trilogy that we have. And my, my wish is to really put this up on stage to immerse the audience, you know, really take them on a journey mm-hmm. and have it with all the bells and whistles and the effects that I really would love to see Dark Beauty be able to perform um, with light effects and, you know, smoke effects and, and cinematography, video. <laughs> so I kind of have a really big picture in mind. So I love that you're saying that it really does pull you in because I tell people Dark Beauty is a story band, and that's really that's really who we are. We're telling a story. We're telling the story of the Dark Angel. And when you take that stage presentation on the road to the Phoenix Tempe area, I want uh, I want the tickets uh, and the will call. I'll pick them up and be there to sing it because I would really love to see this in person. And I hope also, while I'm making subtle little hint, <laughs> let me also subtly <laughs> add that I certainly hope that you're going to bring album number three to us. Uh, as a matter of fact, what we might be able to do if it works for you and for the music and we can get it set up in time, maybe we can do an album preview show where we'll give you guys the whole show and let you play the parts of the album that you want to share with the public and tell them about how you put this whole thing together. Oh my goodness. That would be so, so wonderful. And thank you so much. And yes, we're going to say yes to that offer because it's, <laughs> well, it's very generous. And we, we really, really are truly grateful to have the support uh, of you guys behind us and playing our music and to be on your show. And, and it's wonderful. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. And I want you to keep in mind now that this is recorded. So we have you recorded saying, yes, you'll bring that <laughs> album to us. <laughs> we don't want to run out of time here. And I want to give you a chance, as you know, I always do, to give you a chance to tell the folks how they can follow you, where they can find you, how they can keep in touch with you, communicate, and, of course, most importantly, buy your music. Oh, this is wonderful. Thank you. The album right now is available exclusively on Bandcamp. We set it up at darkbeauty.bandcamp.com, and we wanted to have it exclusive there for a couple of weeks because Bandcamp is a wonderful site that really, I think, helps the musicians and is focused on the musicians more than some other some other music sites might be. So we wanted to give them first dibs at it. Later this year, it will be available on Spotify and Apple Music and, uh, you know, all the, all the standard sites. And also available on CD, if anyone still listens to CDs. And information on all of that is available at darkbeautymusic.com. And you can also use Dark Beauty Music on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. The one that's different is Bandcamp. It's just darkbeauty.bandcamp.com. Awesome. We thank you so much. Thank you both for coming and sharing of your time and your story with us. I, I love hearing about the background on these tunes, the music that you do, and I love being able to share it with our audience. We thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. They call themselves Dark Beauty, and here they are from their album Between Sixes and Sevens, This is called Guardian Angel. 
All right, that's Guardian Angel by the group known as Dark Beauty. I especially love the use of the electric harp in that song. That's an instrument you don't hear a lot of, especially to the point where you can really pick it out. And I can't wait to hear the rest of this album, which I must confess I have not heard yet, but I will definitely be listening to the rest of it. And I hope you will too, as I hope you keep in touch with all of the guests we have here on the show. And we want to thank this week's guest, the group Dark Angel, as well as Mr. Scott Gagner. And we want you to stay in touch with them Follow them. These artists love to hear from you. You interact with them. They interact with you. And that's one of the things we like about the artists we have on the show. Not only are they great indie artists, but they're people, and they know the importance of being in contact with their fans and followers. As a matter of fact, speaking of being in touch, John Bon Jovial, I think it's time that we were in touch and you took us home. Absolutely. Well, folks, thank you so much. You know, you did it again. You spent another perfectly good hour with us here at the David Bowers Awards. And we truly, sincerely are very grateful for your presence every week. The David Bowers Awards is broadcast around the world from the studios of Computer Help USA in Naples, Florida, and of course from the Valley of the Sun in Tempe, Arizona. And we are available for free on most of the major streaming services, including now uh, PodPage. That's PodPage.com forward slash the David Bowers Awards. You can help the David Bowers Awards support indie artists and music by clicking the link at the end of this episode on Anchor FM and make a donation. It's a good thing to do. Be sure to uh, click the follow link on the David Bowers Awards on Blog Talk Radio, Anchor FM, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and, of course, Facebook. And join us next week for the David Bowers Awards Saturday on WRFC-FM 106.3 in Rochester, New York, otherwise known as Rochester Free Radio, at noon Eastern, and on Blog Talk Radio, Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and 7 p.m. UTC. So until next week, for the David Bowers and all of us here at El Radio Ranchero, this is the legendarily lovable John Bon Jovial saying, be good to yourself, be good to others, Get that booster if it becomes available to you, and we'll see you next week right here on the David Bowers Awards.